Chris Nolan is standing by. Hey, Wacky Bruce! Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. Welcome back. You may not know this, but it's actually been a very long time since I've been in front of this microphone to record an episode of the Bruce Exclusive. You heard from me twice last week, but both of the episodes that you heard had been recorded or finalized the previous week, which means it's basically been two weeks since I've recorded a new episode of the Bruce Exclusive. And speaking of new episodes of the Bruce Exclusive, thank you very much for the wonderful reception that you all gave me and Mrs. Nolan in regards to the Bruce Exclusive, the musical that dropped last week. I have had an opportunity to talk to her a little bit, and she is absolutely thrilled that you all liked it and that the positive response has been overwhelming. And you laughed, and you thought it was a fun time, and you thought it was silly, and you correctly picked up what we were trying to lay down. So thank you for that. In addition to that, the surprises don't stop there. I have news for you that I will announce on tomorrow's show and tomorrow, if you're listening to this the day it dropped, the day it drops is Thursday the 29th. So Friday the 30th, I will announce on that podcast and also on social media, I have a fun piece of information for you about some changes that are coming to the Buffalo Rumblings podcast feed and assorted other things that I think you're really going to enjoy. And I'm really excited about it. So thank you for your feedback on the musical. I really appreciate it. And also, more surprises coming. Bruce is full of surprises. You never know what you're going to get. Bruce is like a box of chocolates or something like that. So if you're listening to this the day it drops on Thursday, July 29th, training camp for the Buffalo Bills is now officially open. Real football is back. And because of that, you are going to be inundated with training camp observations, videos, gifts, tweets from assorted different locations in addition to team press conferences, and you're going to be completely buried in content. And because of that, the title of today's podcast is Tips for Efficient Training Camp Content consumption. How can you best sift your way through the training camp content that is coming your way, extract the things that are of value, and don't assign too much weight to the things that are not? Now, obviously, all of it's fun because we like football. So all of it, even at its least useful, is still fun. But The key is what's useful and what's not. So we're going to go through some tips for efficient training camp content consumption. And I hope that this can help us frame the appropriate content and give it the appropriate weight 
as we see them come across our social media feeds. The first tip for efficient training camp content consumption is pay attention to 53-man roster projections from people who have been at practice. The rules in regards to what media is allowed to report from last year carried over into this year. So who is with what group? That is something that's completely off the table. Some things they simply can't tell you about specific plays. But sometimes you can infer whether or not a roster bubble player has looked good or has not looked good based upon the 53-man roster projections from the people who have been there. If you've seen someone who was previously working with the second team and they weren't performing well, and all of a sudden they're performing with the third team, that used to be common public knowledge. It is no longer public knowledge. But if that person who observed that, if you're a media member and you observed that happening, that person might fall off your 53-man roster projection the next time you do it. So we, as consumers, can look that up and go, huh, maybe there's something to that. If you remember from earlier this offseason, right when the spring camp practices broke, I had Matt Perino on this podcast, and I specifically was asking him questions like that so that we could have this podcast now. I was planning for this podcast when I did that podcast. How do we know what to look for? Because quite frankly, some of those things, the media can't tell you that they used to be able to tell you. They just can't say those things out loud, but they still have that information in their head and it informs their predictions. So those predictions from the people who have had eyes on practices matter. Because they're not allowed to tell you, hey, that guy was doing pretty poorly and got benched. They're not allowed to tell you that. But they might leave that person off their 53-man roster projections. So those things matter. Now, obviously, when I do a 53-man roster projection, it doesn't matter as much. I know that's a horribly uncontent creator-y thing to say. But my 53-man roster projections are thought exercises. It's about the why. It's about roster building. It's about philosophy. Because I don't have enough info to go on the way that people who are on the beat have. So I have to take it from a different approach. Last offseason, I did a 53-man roster projection early in the offseason where it was entirely built around trying to save money and cutting corners and making sure you were penny-pinching. And so with that overarching philosophy, I ended up, leaving Ty and Seki off the roster. But that's not the same as a 53-man roster projection that's intended to be predictive from someone who actually had eyes on the practices. Pay attention. If Sal Capaccio does it, if Matt Perino does it, if Joe Buscalia does it, if Matthew Fairburn does it, if Thad Brown does it over and over and over again, if these people do 53-man roster projections and they were physically at the practices then it matters because that information that they're not allowed to tell you is still informing their decisions. So that's point number one. Pay attention to 53-man roster projections from people who have eyes on the practice. The second tip for efficient training camp content consumption is 
infer from matchups. Matt Perino was nice enough to be able to hint toward this during our previous conversation. They're not allowed to say, this guy's with the first team, this guy's with the second team. But if it's 11 on 11, and Daryl Williams is matched up against F.A. Obada, that matters. Why? Because we know Daryl Williams is the first team right tackle. That begs the question, what was F.A. Obada doing on the first team? That's a good sign for F.A. Obada. You can infer from matchups. You can use your red yarn and your newspaper articles and wave your hands wildly and say, okay, F.A.O. but I was with the first team because he was going up against Daryl Williams, but Mario Addison was practicing and Jerry Hughes was practicing and A.J. Epinesa was practicing, so it wasn't because of injuries and it wasn't. You can do this and put it together and that can help you infer depth charty type stuff. You can infer from matchups. Now, some of this stuff we already know. Some of it, like Dane Jackson's going to be rotating and competing for CB2. We know that. So if Dane Jackson gets a pass breakup against Stephon Diggs, we don't freak out because we all know he's running with the first team. Are there scenarios where Stephon Diggs could line up against Dane Jackson? Sure. That's not an outlier. That's not anything of note. But a previous example, if I had F.A. Obada going against Daryl Williams, that's something of note especially if it happens later in camp. So you can infer from matchups. First point, pay attention to 53-man roster projections from people who have their eyes on the practices. Second point, infer from matchups. We are going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We got two more to talk about. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive of Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. We have been talking about the tips for efficient training camp content consumption. Let this pod be your guide as to what to provide high amounts of weight to and what provide low amounts of weight to. The first point, pay attention to 53-man roster projections from people who have eyes on the practice. The projections will tell you things that the media aren't allowed to. The second thing, infer from matchups. Use things we know and put together the puzzle pieces to help us figure out things we don't know. If F.A. Obada is going against Daryl Williams, that means he's probably running with the first team. If there were no significant injuries ahead of him that would cause him to need to run with the first team, that's probably a good sign for F.A. Obada. In addition to that, and a point I previously didn't mention, if you hear F.A. Obada going up against guards a lot, maybe that means they're kicking him inside. Another thing that they're not necessarily allowed to tell you is, man, we've been seeing a lot of F.A. Obada at defensive tackle. He kicked in inside a lot. The media is not allowed to say that. 
But they aren't allowed to say he made a really good move to beat Ike Butker. He's probably running with the first or second team as a defensive tackle. That matters. Pay attention to the matchups and infer. The third point is don't overreact. Now, I know, I know that asking a fan of a sports team to not overreact based on one day of practice is probably foolhardy, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm going to use the same example that I have historically used. And that was Patrick Mahomes' opening training camp was really bad when he came into his first year as a starter. There was all sorts of discussions about all the interceptions he was throwing. And it turns out that Andy Reid was trying a bunch of new things and just figuring out what he could get away with. And he was specifically coaching Patrick Mahomes to throw everything. See it, throw it. I want to see how you operate. I want to see how your trigger works. I want to try some stuff. We get really excited about charting completion percentage at practice, not knowing the specific things that they were attempting to work on. If you're attempting to work on the screen game, then your completion percentage should be fairly high. If you're working on deep in-cutting routes, which is an area that Josh Allen specifically said he needed to work on this offseason, then maybe you're not going to have the same results. And that's okay. But don't overreact. The final point I want to talk about, the final tip for efficient training camp content consumption is watch press conferences for outlier statements and superlatives. Coach speak is a very real thing. When you've watched enough press conferences, you will come to realize what is coach speak and what is not. The answer is the vast majority of us coach speak. But there are outlier statements and superlatives. When a coach brings up a player without being prompted, notice that. When Brandon Bean says something like, Taiwan Jones is an elite gunner in this league. That matters. That matters a lot. Joe Marino pointed out on Twitter that Brandon Bean had said that and flat out said, he's making this team. I agree. Taiwan Jones, I think, is going to make this team. Brandon Bean doesn't come out and say things like, he's an elite gunner in this league. Have the franchise roster Sonoris Perry for that role previously and then not roster Taiwan Jones for that role now. That seems unlikely. So I'd say it's highly probable, barring injury or something insane, that Taiwan Jones is going to make this team. Watch for outlier statements. I'll give you a great example. At the press conference earlier this offseason, Brandon Bean said he would be shocked if Cody Ford was not one of the starting five offensive linemen for the team this year. Right now, most recently, he said he's going to have to earn it. That's not entirely walking it back. That's not what that is. But it's a little bit softer of a statement. Then I'd be shocked if he wasn't one of the starting five. Those things matter, for sure, because they're superlatives. When someone says, I'd be shocked if he wasn't one of the top five, that's a superlative statement. When he says someone is elite, that's an outlier. So we should be looking for the things that are not normal. For example, when Sean McDermott talked today about Devin Singletary working on his weaknesses, I went through, listened to it, 
I didn't hear anything that would make me think, oh gosh, I'm going to take away from this, that Devin Singletary is clearly the RB1 of this team. It was a very general answer. Happy with his work. Happy with how he's done. Nothing really there to glean from that. Had he come back and said, I don't think I've ever seen a player attack the offseason the way that Devin Singletary did. Okay, now we're talking about superlatives. Now my ears perk up. Now it matters. Because Sean McDermott is not Rex Ryan. We know the coaches well enough by now to understand what is a deviation from the norm. We know what we can hear that would make our ears perk up and go, oh, that's not normal. That's different. Whether it's a positive difference or a negative difference, it's still different enough for us to perk up and notice. So the fourth thing is watch press conferences for outlier statements and superlatives. I know I said we were going to do four, but we're actually going to do five because one came to me while I'm talking and I'm going to ramble for a little bit more. And the reason I I went back and forth as I was doing my notes as to whether or not I was actually going to include this one, but given the fact that we didn't have preseason games last year, I'm going to go ahead and do it because we're a little rusty. We're a little rusty at how to watch preseason games as a fan base because it's been two years since we've seen a preseason game. How a player performs is valuable in one-on-one situations that can be measured the way that they're measured in practice. And when a player performs matters. If you are on the field in the second half of the final preseason game, that might not be a good thing for your chances of making the roster. We're a little bit rusty. and I know it's going to be a little different this year because there's three preseason games instead of four. But I want to circle back and kind of remind us of the way that you watch preseason games when you're not just watching for entertainment. Obviously, you watch for entertainment, but if you're attempting to glean something from them, one-on-one battles matters. When a player plays matters. Stat lines, eh, don't really matter all that much. But one-on-ones matter because it's the same kind of thing that they're looking for in practice when they're doing 11-on-11. Preseason games are just 11-on-11 with tackling to the ground against a different uniform. And because of it, you got to understand that what you are looking for is what the coaches are looking for because you want to know. Unless you're just watching it because you really think that A.J. McCarron coming back from a significant deficit in the final preseason game is fun and entertaining, which is completely fine. But if you are trying to efficiently consume content and you want to make sure you're taking in what is valuable and you're blocking out what is not valuable, then one-on-ones are really important. And when a player plays is really important. So I thought we were going to have four. We actually had five, but let's recap. The tips for efficient training camp season content consumption. Number one, Pay attention to 53-man roster projections from people who have eyes on the practice. Number two, make inferences from matchups. Number three, don't overreact to one day. Number four, watch press conferences for outlier statements and superlatives. And number five, pay attention to one-on-ones 
and when a player is playing in preseason games. And that will help us have better conversations. It will help us consume content more efficiently. It will help us not get caught up in the waves back and forth, unless that's what you want. In which case, hey man, cowabunga dude. And until next time, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumbling.